Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Tiffany's husband. And I'm Shane and Jack. <laughs> Do you like that? <laughs> Welcome to episode 134, AAA, When Worlds Collide. Wait a minute, we've already watched When Worlds Collide, I thought. Well, that was ECW. Oh. Mm, this is AAA. We talked about it a little bit last week. Mexican promotion. Oh, yes. It's our first time seeing seeing a lot of these people, if not... Maybe some of the only times we'll see some of these people. Yeah. Some of them are going to become uh, near and dear to our heart. Very, very true. And that's a lot of the reason why we decided to watch the show, because we're going to see some young versions of some guys that we'll see for a very long time. Also, it's one of the first... uh, it's the, did you say the first pay-per-view? The first time that a non-U.S. based promotion had ever been shown on U.S. pay-per-view. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I'd say they pulled out the stops. They're in L.A., yes. so it's not a huge jump up from Mexico, no. and they got a hot crowd. When Worlds Collide was produced by AAA and the IWC, with technical assistance from WCW. It was held on November 6th, 1994 at the Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena in Los Angeles, California, with a sold-out attendance of 13,000 people. Not bad. I mean, yeah, it said sold out, but it was like, well, I can see some empty seats, but, you know, it it looks better than some of the WCW shows we've watched. Just because they were empty doesn't necessarily mean the tickets weren't sold. They may just not have been able to make it. It's true. True. (laughs) I'm trying to find that silver lining. <laughs> <laughs> but we're in Los Angeles. That we are. Something a little different this uh, week? Very much different. Yeah, we are in LA. And the last few times, I believe I brought some food. Uh, we had those Philly tacos that I think oh. I'm still a little cotton mouth after because <sighs> lots of uh, bread and pizza crust and whatnot. Uh, I'm still filling it a week later. So. Decided to go a little lighter this time. Uh, looked up the signature cocktail of Los Angeles, and I don't know if this is legit it, but this is what Google told me anyways. The Moscow Mule. Yeah, and we're working towards the end of the summer right now, um, you know, to break kayfabe. Yeah. Because we record in advance. Yeah, today it was 100 degrees here in Oklahoma City, and it, according to my phone, it said it felt like 107. Yeah, so a cool libation. Yes. Nice. Uh, for our, you know... Hot LA show. Yes, and uh, apparently this is a, a first timer for Matt as well. Uh, his very first yeah. Moscow Mule. Uh, I've been drinking them for quite a few years now. Typically, it's uh, some vodka, a little bit of simple syrup, some lime juice, uh, some ginger beer, served over ice in a, a nice little copper mug. Super smooth, easy to drink, nice and crisp with a little bit of spice. This time, I went with the. Uh, pre-made bottled version the Cayman Jack Moscow Mule uh, on the box it's quote is it's arguably the most refreshing Moscow Mule in the world so what better to drink 
when worlds collide, then... I mean, with my vast knowledge of Moscow mules, <laughs> I'm agreeing. Yeah, I mean, this is great for a bottle, but it's a little bit more syrupy because yeah. it kind of has more of a soda vibe, but that makes sense considering. Yeah, but, but flavor-wise, yeah. it's... It's almost there. Yeah, for sure. Like it's a. Uh, it's, it's got a good. It could good. use a little more spice to it. I'm yeah. not the most intense ginger person, but Ooh, I could. I could handle a little, little bit more. Me. Yeah. As far as summer cocktails, it's like Moscow Mule or Mojito for me. Like, oh man, I could smash those in the middle of the summer. Occasionally an lit. I mean, that was more back in the day. I haven't had one. Of yeah, those when you're in... trying to really party. Yeah. No, that was just more because it was one of the first drinks that I had had. And it's like, ooh, this is sweet, and it gets the job done. We... And yeah. you can't really taste the alcohol because it all blends together, all nice and smooth, much like this. Mm-hmm. this yeah, like this one meal. we got the lime and the ginger, and then like I said, the mojito is is my jam. Yeah. When we uh, watched, uh, got together and watched WrestleMania over here for, I guess that was the beginning of the spring. Woo. Damn, did I slam some mojitos over those two <laughs> nights. Made the show a little bit more palatable. According to my source, the uh, great Los Angeles cocktail is the Moscow Mule, a combination of vodka, lime, and strong ginger beer. First mixed at the old Cock and Bull on Sunset Strip in the 1940s, and now made in its most authentic form at the Tam O'Shantern Inn, uh, a 1920s-era restaurant still owned by the Lowry's family, and best known for its Robert Burns Day celebration. Ooh. Robert Burns Day. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The Moscow Mule is a drink that pretty much introduced America to vodka and may be responsible for the box of tarnished copper mugs in the back of your great aunt's garage. Uh, the Tam makes a great Moscow Mule for decades served in a chill pewter vessel and now in a proper copper mug. Spicy, not too sweet, and sneakily alcoholic. Um, yeah, if you've never had a Moscow Mule, get somewhere, try one, because they're definitely worth it. I've, yeah. never, I've never had a bad one at any respectable place that I've been to. Do a Moscow Mule. Do it. Do it. Well, something that would happen right around the same time as When Worlds Collide interview with a vampire and the santa claus would both hit theaters the next week yeah very (laughs) santa claus is when tim allen uh, gets fat and becomes santa claus i remember seeing that movie in the theater interview with the vampire i've only ever seen parts of on cable but it's been on my watch list for years interview with the vampire how do you guys feel about it uh i saw it in the theater uh back I was in high school at the time, and I was working on the school paper, and I decided that I wanted to do a movie review section. Hell yeah. And my first movie review was Interview with a Vampire. Oh my god. I I felt like a a full-on reporter. I was at the movie theater, you know, had my little tape recorder with me to leave myself a little And you're like, God, Brad Pitt's so hot. (laughs) Brad Pitt was very hot. Tom Cruise, I wasn't that thrilled with as... Tom Cruise doesn't work as well in fantasy. And he's also not as hot as Brad Pitt. No. Let's be honest. Uh, I mean, but hell, you had Antonio Banderas in there. You had the debut of Kirsten Dunst. Oh, yeah. It was a little girl. That, the only thing I remember is the end whenever they're like basically in like a well type situation. Yep. But I need, to, I need to give it a rewatch for sure. But like this is kind of I'm trying to remember who peak, was the... I mean, I, I would say peak hot Brad Pitt, but Brad Pitt was, uh, yeah, this was like burning up the screen. and start in, of Brad Pitt. I mean, he had just had Thelma and Louise. Which is, like, arguably his most hot. Yes. But he's probably, like, 19. You had, uh... Yeah, we, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Like, even in um, 
the latest Twelve Tarantino. years a slave, you still. Have. <laughs> <laughs> but like in um uh yeah even Twelve Monkeys where he's yeah, losing his monkeys, mind. That's what I was gonna that. say. He was a, a hot crazy guy. Yeah, but in um he's a hot quote unquote old man in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where you're like ah oh, mm-hmm. still just looking great and he's maybe one of my favorite quote, performances unquote, old man in the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen Button, Benjamin Button. One of the few Finchers I have not seen. I'm trying to remember what was the the writer of interview with the vampire and rice and rice yeah. yes uh that's that was she my loved first her vampire tales yes like queen of the damned i know it was based yeah. off of an rice book uh, r.i.p Aaliyah. yeah uh, it's hard to believe that was just 20 years yeah i know she's been gone i know was crazy i remember God, seeing Aaliyah an interview so with hot. the vampire when it came out on vhs probably at that point and i was young so some of the intricacies of it i really didn't get yeah you're like i i I understood that it was a good film but like washed over you a little bit kind of i've watched it again in the last 10 years or so and i was still kind of still kind of lukewarm on it i think Mm -hmm. it's a good film it's it's worth watching oh yeah it's it's good not great yeah Yeah. i mean like i'm trying to think it's like my favorite vampire movie might be near dark that's a different kind of That's vampire movie, but that movie is incredible. Um, uh, this one's a little bit more like kind of like traditional and like quote unquote romantic. Yeah, it's a, it's a very period piece. Yeah. Uh, another thing that was a a highlight. It's on a shame it for me was it was supposed to be uh, River Phoenix was supposed to be cast uh, in the role that Christian Slater ended up doing because River Phoenix died before yeah. the film had started being made or shortly after it had started, but. Yeah, I was a, a huge River Phoenix fan growing up, so um, I, I wanted to specifically go see it after just to see what his last film would have been. I think it might how be how different he would have done it. I'm not a, the, like the world's biggest Family Guy fan, but I think they made the joke of uh, of like River Phoenix dying, and we're left with a uh, hair-lipped reminder of what could have been, <laughs> which is so fucking mean, <laughs> and you know. Yeah, it's like the... <laughs> That's so brutal. John Belushi, Jim Belushi. Yeah. Chris and, Farley and Chris no. Farley's brother. <laughs> yeah. Chris Farley's brother was in that great MTV show yeah. together. The boy band show? Yeah, yeah. I love that show. <laughs> but yeah, either way, um, so a couple of us might need to rewatch Interview with the Vampire and Santa Claus, you know. It's a Santa Claus cl- was great. It's a holiday classic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, is Santa Claus better than the movie where Arnold Schwarzenegger needs to get a toy? Jingle All the Jingle Way? All yeah. Absolutely. Is it? I think so. Okay, yeah. I don't remember. I know that, like, when you're a kid, you just, I get taken to see kid movies. So Jingle I just... All the Way has Phil Hartman as a selling point. I think he was in that one, wasn't he? Or was he in Small Soldiers? Small Soldiers, good movie. Love Joe Dante. Big Pretty Joe sure Dante fan of well. Yeah. I mean, you had Phil Hartman, and I loved everything Phil Hartman. Um, Colin Blow. But. That's a Santa uh, reference. Between the movies, definitely Santa Claus. Yeah, it's. I mean, this movie came out at the height of Home Improvement, and you know, I I was a huge Home Improvement fan. This right, right before uh, Toy Story coming out the next yeah. year. Yes. And so, you know, Tim Allen's on top of the world, and he hits this, and then he hasn't really done anything ever since. Yeah, I mean, he <laughs> he's than, still other than the two Santa Claus sequels. Well, he has he has the, the Toy Story uh, sequel. He has a very po- a very popular like. Uh, that's right. He has the last man standing or whatever. Yeah, which is really absolutely horrible. Show. Yeah, it's a ter- it's a terrible it. show for boomers, which makes sense why my parents love that show. I watched yeah. one episode yeah. and went, no. Yeah, my, yeah, my dad my dad loves the show, 
probably just because Tim Allen does this whole thing like, oh, like I'm a I'm an I'm a man, yeah. boomer man shit. So my dad kind of uh, latches onto that, and then every time I've ever gone over there, I think they're over it now, and they were watching reruns of it. I would be like, you know, he's a fucking snitch, right? Fucking, he's a he's a snitch because Tim <laughs> Allen. Like he, he, yeah, he, no, he bratted <laughs> out all of his friends when selling cocaine in the seventies uh, because he's a fucking snitch. And you know what snitches get? I guess they get to be in Toy Story. Okay, I mean he literally his had character stitches. Could never get stitches. <laughs> no, he couldn't get stitches. He he was Buzz, Buzz. didn't have stitches. Uh-uh. Buzz was made of plastic. No. Woody got stitches. Ruin my joke. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Just for uh, that, we're going to move on to some wrestling. Let's do it. So, some further notes on this show, just because it helps understand what what might happen. WCW, along with providing some technical assistance, also made a couple changes to the format, forcing AAA to switch from traditional two out of three fall matches to single fall matches, and also cutting back on the elaborate entrances that AAA usually would do on their major shows. Hmm. So there's a couple finishes that we hit that's like, wait, what? That That's it? And It's kind of uh, reminiscent you... to maybe some of the early shows we cover on this podcast where it's like that 83s, 84s, 85s where we're like, we don't really know exactly what just happened, but we watched it and we weren't told. So the show opens on an animation going through the matches, followed by two planets colliding and exploding. And this is what it feels like when planets collide. Uh, <laughs> Power Man 5000, anybody? Oh, I was thinking, my mind went to When Doves Cry. <laughs> oh yeah, but much better song. Much, uh, much, much better song by a much more talented man. Chris Cruz welcomes us to the show from inside the ring, and he hands the mic over to Arturo Rivera who speaks some Spanish to the crowd to pump them up. And we, there's tons of masked fans in the crowd, you know, wearing their luchador masks. And Mike Tenay joins Chris Cruz for English commentary. And impresses the living shit out of me. <laughs> so both of these guys are usually the guys that are on the WCW hotline. And this is actually Tenay's very first time to ever do commentary on a show. Yeah, this is like his, not interview, but... Like a trial, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, basically, they asked Shivani if he wanted to do it, and he was like, Yeah, I don't know these guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, Mike Tenet did his goddamn research, I'd say. That's right. Yeah. So, our first match Espacrito and Dorito Estrada versus Octagoncito and Mascarita Sagrada. And yes, I will have issues saying that. If you need any help, just let me know. I think my pronunciation might be a little bit. So, no offense, but these four guys are midgets. Yeah. This is the world mini champs. Yes, this is back when you could call them midgets too, I believe. And in the Mexican culture, like in the American culture, this match would totally be played up for laughs. Mm -hmm. In the Mexican culture, it is not. Most of these guys are actually mini versions of... Of other wrestlers. Oh, okay. Because I know they, the, the minis have been a thing forever. So, they like, did, like, Octagoncito is a mini version of Octagon, who we'll see later in yeah, the show. Yeah. Cito, obviously. Letting you know, he's a little smaller. So that makes me wonder, is there, like, a 
a Jerry Estrada out there somewhere that little Harito Estrada was the mini <laughs> version of? He might be the I only mean, Jerry Estrada. Not, yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. Espresso. How do you say that? This is gonna be fun. That's the one. That's the one name that I that I have the most. Espectro. Yeah. Es, espect, espect, oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> was the minis champion. Why don't we just call time. him Lil E? <laughs> I think I start calling him SBF. Oh, SBF's good. SB, yeah, SBF's good. So there's two referees, and one of them is the Technico referee, and one of them's the Rudo referee. Meaning good guy and bad guy. Okay. And the bad guy is the one that's in suspenders. So if you ever watch a AAA show, even to this day, and you see a referee with suspenders... You know he's a heel referee. He's the heel referee. Weird. Ah. Okay, cool. Did not know that. So it makes me wonder then, do they ever do like ref heel face turns where... Yes, they do. Ah, nice. So SB and Octagoncito starts off quickly with Octa hitting a head scissors... Going for a hurricanrana, only for Espy to throw him off. So Octagoncito comes back with a tilt-a-whirl arm drag to send Espy to the floor. In Lucha Rules, you don't have to really make tags. If someone leaves the ring, someone else can jump in, basically, in Lucha Rules. So Estrada jumps in the ring to hit a clothesline on Octa. Dorito tosses Octagoncito up into the air but on his way down, grabs Estrada and arm drags him, charging at him only to be backdrop over the ropes and onto the apron. So Sagrada makes his way into the ring. Mascarita immediately hits a tilt-a-whirl scissors, following up with a springboard arm drag. Dorito then charges back at Sagrada with a drop kick, but Mascarita avoids sending Estrada flying through the ropes to the floor. Espy with a gorilla press slam of Sagrada onto the top rope, a thrust kick to the corner and picks up Mascarita again into a press slam when Dorito comes in off the top rope for a double team maneuver. They continue to work over Sagrada. Octagoncito runs in to help, only to receive a big boot from Espy, followed by him trying to rip Octa's mask off, which also in the Mexican culture is a disqualification if he gets it ripped off because that's it's like disrespectful, yeah. it's dishonorable. That's why they have so many hair versus mask matches in Mexican culture. So Espy sends Octagoncito into double boots from Estrada, following up by Dorito sending him into a super kick from Espy, which causes him to roll to the floor. Mascarita jumps in, only to be taken down by Estrada. Espy goes to the top rope, but trips and crotches himself on the ropes. Dorito with a pair of low blows to Sagrada, causing him to roll out. So Octa comes back in with Estrada, charging in with a corner dropkick. But Octagoncito avoids and runs to the opposite corner, leaping up and off for a crossbody onto Dorito. This looks like a current AEW tag match. <laughs> it is wild. Are you making fun of the size of AEW's tag teams? Um, no. <laughs> I, I was not, but it's um, comparable. Bring back FTR. Octa is tossed up into the air and again arm drags Estrada on his way down, followed by another tilt-a-whirl head scissors, but Dorito comes back with a spinning kick and charges into the corner for a drop kick, which Octagoncito avoids again. Espy comes in the ring and starts laying it in on Sagrada in the ring, going for a press slam, 
but just sets him down and is then arm-dragged multiple times by Mascarita. These guys arm-drag each other like it's the end of the world. It's crazy. Followed by a springboard head scissors to send him out to the floor. And, and head scissors. They head scissors like some, like, they head scissors as much as steamboat arm drags, and they sell arm drags better than anybody that's taken an arm, dra- <laughs> arm drag from steamboat. Like, it's the end of the world. Estrada's back into to toss Sagrada to the floor, but Octa is right in to drop kick him out to the floor. The pace quickens once again with Mascarita with a springboard head scissors to Espy to send him to the floor, followed by Sagrada acting like he's going to dive out on him, but pulls up and instead hits a springboard moonsault onto him from the apron. Inside the ring, Octagoncito with another arm drag on Dorito, forcing him to the floor, followed by a tope suicida. Espy comes back with a drop kick on Sagrada inside the ring and a thrust kick to knock him to the floor, where Estrada is there to pick up the pieces, body slamming Mascarita down. Octa is hit with a clothesline in the ring by Espy, only to come back by tossing him headfirst into a turnbuckle, hitting an arm drag and a back body drop, followed by Sagrada coming in off the top rope with a moonsault. The face ref makes the slowest count for the pin... And the win, while Estrada misses a clothesline on Octa, only to be placed in an armbreaker. I was watching this, and I was taking notes, and then I just wrote, thanks, Matt. Because, like, this is too much action. <laughs> too much action too quickly for me to even, like, begin to, like, notate in any meaningful way. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> you probably spent just as much time notating this match than you did the entire rest of the show. And for that, we, we already loved you. But we love you just a little more. <laughs> for that, you can have another Moscow. <laughs> I just might. Yeah, you're going to have to wet the whistle. So we go to our second match. Psychosis. <sighs> Madonna's boyfriend uh-huh. and Furza Guerrera versus... Rey Mysterio, Heavy Metal, and Latin Lover in a battle for respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. It's not the same in Spanish, baby. <laughs> so, first time we've seen Rey Mysterio. He's like 19 here? He's a Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer. And he is like 19 here, yes. Crazy. Same height, but 19. Furza is the father of Hooventude. Oh. Who we know better. Heavy Metal is the brother of Negro Casas. Oh, we've seen him. Who we've seen. And the son of the Good Ref. Oh, okay. Which they point out. And you may have heard of a Spicoli driver or a Death Valley driver. Mm -hmm. I have. Madonna's boyfriend innovated it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah Madonna's claim, a kinky claim one, to frame. So. And they also, in the commentary, they say his real name probably more often than they say Madonna's boyfriend, which is... Louis Spicoli. Louis Spicoli. So, kind of a little bit of the story behind this match was the Guerreras, as in Furza and Juventu, were in a feud with Mysterio as Furza felt his son was the future of Lucha Libre, while also in a long-running feud with Metal and Lover over the tag team championships. So that's why these guys are kind of all in this match together. And Madonna's boyfriend, I think, was thrown in there because he's American. He may be Madonna's boyfriend, but I'm Tiffany's husband. (laughs) 
So the rules of this match is that you have to pin one of the captains, either Guerrera or Heavy Metal, or both of their partners. Okay, that's why I got kind of confused. Yeah, I had no idea what was going on. Shannon was like, all right, well, I I guess I don't know what wrestling is anymore. I was watching guys, and yeah, I knew Ray. I'll admit, it doesn't (laughs) come into play in this match, or the next match where I think they have the same rules. As much. But it was out there, and it was said. So So as soon as everyone is in the ring, they just start brawling. But the refs get it broke up so we can have the introductions while Tanae and Cruz explain Technicos and Rudos, which I've already done. Yeah. Furza and Metal, our captains, start us off with Heavy Metal hitting an arm drag and a Tilt-A-Whirl backbreaker. Ray and Fy- Which is a humiliation move, supposedly. The Tilt-A-Whirl backbreaker, they talk about it being like a humiliating move to take in Lucha Libre. Which I don't know why, but Mike Tanae is out here doing the work. Also, Madonna's boyfriend is a new member of Gringos Locos. Yes. Which means, you know, crazy white boys. Which we'll see some of those other members later in the show. Ray and Psychosis then hit the ring with Cruz calling them possible superstars of the future. Yeah. Cruz knows what he's talking about. I have to mm-hmm. uh, agree with you there. Remember when Cruz? they said the wrestler of the 90s thing? <laughs> uh, <laughs> there was also the wrestler. Who was it that said the wrestler of the 90s in Stone Cold? Was that Bobby? I want to say Heenan said that yeah, on the show. Yeah. Ah, oh, what a guy, what a guy. Mysterio hits a tilt-a-whirl head scissors, goes for a monkey flip, but Psychosis holds on and sets him on the top rope, only to walk away, allowing Ray to fly off with a hurricanrana. Looking to dive out onto the floor, where Psychosis has just backed away from the ring to avoid. Smart move. The boyfriend comes in with a gorilla press of Mysterio, setting him on the top rope, and walks away to dance. So Ray comes off with a crossbody, but Madonna's boyfriend catches him to again gorilla press and set Mysterio on a top rope. Slaps him and dances away, Ooh. allowing Ray to come off with a drop kick to the back of the head. That is no sold. Hmm. I know, and it's like on point. He hits him right on the button. Shaking off that 95-pound, 19-year-old drop kick. Mysterio uses his quickness to tag in the Latin lover, where he and the boyfriend have a dance-off until they start shoving each other and using power moves. When the person who recorded this forgot to pay for the pay-per-view, so it goes into an ordering screen. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, if you want to order this, maybe this is the pre-show. But it comes right back to where we left off as Lover super kicks Madonna's boyfriend, sending him out to the floor. Guerrera jumps in, but as soon as Metal comes in, he goes back out to the apron. So Psychosis takes over, where he hits a clothesline, only for Heavy Metal to return the favor. Psychosis sends Metal to the corner where he leaps up and off with a moonsault, which Psychosis avoids and charges in with a tilt-a-whirl, but is blocked, allowing Heavy Metal to hit a hair-pull faceplant and a spinning heel kick. Yeah, this is like the a little bit more slowed down than the last match with a little bit more, like, you know, psychology playing to the crowd. Metal looks to dive out, but again, Psychosis takes off running down the aisle to avoid. So Heavy Metal taunts inside the ring, before tagging in Mysterio to go after Fuerza, only to be slapped away. Guerrera goes for a back body drop, which Ray flips over, then leaps over the ropes to the apron, with Fuerza missing a drop kick, sending him to the floor, followed by Mysterio hitting a hurricanrana off the apron. The Rudos regroup on the outside, before returning to the ring, with Psychosis taking on Latin Lover. 
only for Psychosis to fall on a shoulder block and a corner dropkick to land on his neck. Guerrera and Metal's in, where Freza hits an atomic drop low blow, but Heavy Metal comes back with a spine buster and starts to work the arm, only for the boyfriend to come in and just decky. Madonna's boyfriend with a double underhook suplex and a knee drop on Metal, followed by a forearmed Mysterio to knock him off the apron, where the boyfriend heads out to continue, while Lover jumps to the floor, only to receive a shot from Madonna's boyfriend as well. I really appreciate that they are doing all these head scissors and stuff to the floor, but they are taking the time to sell them a little bit more than we see nowadays, and it's one of those things, like, if you're going to do it, let it register. Let them take the... Let, them, let it slow them down. And it's just something that kind of drives me nuts nowadays. And seeing it here, it's like you guys are still going 100 miles an hour. There's six of you. So, like, you all kind of have a moment to rest as well. But you also aren't, like, just, like, popping up from these big flip moves. Not immediately, anyway. The boyfriend with a gorilla press slam of Ray into the crowd while the others are all in the ring brawling. Oh, Ray, get used to that. <laughs> Boy gonna get tossed. <laughs> Madonna's boyfriend with a vertical suplex of Mysterio on the floor, while Fuerza and Psychosis with a double boot on metal. Latin Lover jumps in, only to receive continued punishment from the Rudos that puts all of the Technicos on the floor. Mysterio is the first one back in with Psychosis, where Ray is tossed high up into the air. Psychosis tries for a second one, but Mysterio comes down grabbing Psychosis' head for a faceplant this time. It's super cute. It's like, man, how are you doing stuff like that in here? Lover and Guerrera trading blows where when Latin Lover hits a super kick, charging into a corner, which Ferreza tries for a double boot, but Lover just grabs his legs and rips him out of the corner before hitting a body slam and heading up top for a splash, only for Guerrero to move in time. How do you call your lover? Super Where kick. Fuerza locks on a modified sharpshooter that lasts all of five seconds, allowing Latin Lover to roll to the floor and Metal jumping in to brawl with Guerrero. A spinning heel kick from Heavy Metal sends Fuerza to the floor, so Psychosa jumps in to miss a drop kick and is then tossed to the floor himself bringing Guerrera back into the ring to kick Metal out to the floor. Mysterio with a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker on Fuerza, but the boyfriend is there to break the momentum, only for Ray to respond with a dropkick to Madonna's boyfriend's head out of a powerbomb attempt from <laughs> Guerrera. Crazy shit. It's like, it's like doing, yeah, it's like how do you, if you're tossed into the air and you weren't the one that put yourself in the air, how do you decide where to go? Fuerza goes for a dropkick of his own, but Mysterio avoids, sending Guerrero right into the boyfriend, out on the floor. Ray then goes flying off the top rope with a swanton, while Heavy Metal has joined Fuerza back in the ring, only to miss a corner splash, hitting his head on the turnbuckle. Guerrero charges in, but Metal avoids and picks up Fuerza with a release tiger driver, before heading up top, only to miss a swanton. Guerrero with a body slam hooks on a neck-hold-armbar combo for the submission and the win. Tanay and Cruz are surprised and confused by the suddenness of this finish, but it's probably because that was the finish for one of the three falls, not the final fall. Because remember yeah. I mentioned that WCW made them change? 
and they probably just didn't rearrange the entire match. Yeah, yeah. So post-match, Fuerza adds insult to the injury by pounding away on heavy metal until the refs intervene. Mm. Crazy match. So easy to watch. So we're headed to our third match. Pegasus Kid. Tito Santana. Tito! Ah, Arriba! And Two Cold Scorpio versus Jerry Estrada. Hey, it's Jerry Estrada. <laughs> La Parca and Blue Panther. First time we've seen La Parca, I'd like to mention that he's a Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer. And this is the OG La Parca? This is the OG. Because I think there's, like, there's been multiple La Parcas. Yes. When he left for WCW, they gave someone else the gimmick in AAA. Yeah, and there was like somebody wrestling as L.A. Park, and I don't remember if that was the real La Parca. I think that's the real one. That was the one that was... We saw in WCW in the original one. Yeah, but he yeah. got his name back at like recently. LA, recently, because yeah. LA Park was only a couple of years ago. That, I remember that sounds like Lucha Abyss or something. Side character LA Park. We haven't seen Tito since Hardcore TV, August twenty fourth, nineteen ninety three, mm-hmm. all the way back in episode ninety nine. Wasn't that the day that he won the championship? It was the day that he won the ECW mm-hmm. championship. Um, what a fine day that was. Also funny that of all of these people in this six man match, Tito Santana is the loose is the least lucha style wrestler, <laughs> but he's so famous as being yeah. as you know Ariba. He's fucking Tito Tito Santana, baby. Don't call him Chico. Don't call him Chico. So this was announced as AAA versus IWC, which IWC is technically AAA as well. Okay, just. That's what they run under whenever they run American shows. Makes Just no sense. Confusing so it's stuff. like NWO and NWO Wolfpack. Basically. Same team, just So like Pegasus people. Kid, Tito, and Too Cold probably works in American sh- It's more like... Raw versus SmackDown. More like NJPW and NJPW of USA. Like, they're the same, same company. Thing, yeah. NXT. They're just NXT running. UK. They're yeah. just running. It's like, oh, the famous people from that company are all of it. It's like, yeah, Tony Storm, Walter, and um, and Pete Dunne are all basically just NXT people <laughs> now because uh, they're the, the like top tier yeah. talents of NXT UK. Plus, because of COVID, NXT UK basically didn't even get to get started. No. So this match has the same rules as the last one. With Benoit and Panther being the captains. Once again... Benoit being Pegasus Kid. Yeah. Was this uh, originally supposed to be a two out of three falls? Yes, it was. But once again, that rule is there. But as we'll find out, it doesn't really come into effect. Because they're the two that are in the ring at the end. La Parca is the current Mexican light heavyweight champion at the time. And Estrada felt he had earned a title shot which caused issues between the two tag partners. Mm-mm. That gives you a little backstory behind what's about to happen. Cruz shields for the hotline and the next WCW pay-per-view, which is Starcade, which we'll cover in a few weeks. And the match gets going as Panther starts it off after Parkett and Estrada argue over who should start, matching up with Too Cold, with the two doing some mat wrestling, to the crowd's delight, with neither gaining an advantage. I like how everybody comes out with ladies. Just like they're... Random. Yeah, just random pretty ladies. ladies. Yeah. yeah. We get our first actual tag of the entire show as Pegasus tags in. That's crazy. Only for Parker to meet him in the middle where they continue the back and forth. 
It's time for Tito, so Jerry comes in, shoving Laparka to get him out of the ring, with him responding with a forearm. Cruz tells us that Santana is the wink link of the team, as you mentioned, as Estrada is rolled up to be in the ropes. Tito still looks great. Tito begins working the arm, so Jerry tries to tag out. But Parkett isn't having it, ticking Estrada off even more. And once he breaks free, he confronts the Parkett, so Blue Panther just enters the ring with Benoit. Who the fuck is going to call Tito a weak link? Well, he's the guy that's not, he's not as, he doesn't wrestle Lucha style. No, so he's the, Tito you know, fucking Santana. He is Tito Santana, and you know I love him. Strike Force, baby. <laughs> Fucking Strike Force. Girls in Cars was their theme song. Girls in Cars was their theme song. <laughs> Weirdest song choice ever for him, but... Such a good song. Yeah. Panther and Pegasus speed things up with each countering the other's moves until a back body drop sends Benoit over to the floor. He comes back in by going to the top rope, only for Blue Panther to put him on his shoulders, which is countered into a sunset flip pin for a two count. Pegasus goes out to the apron and suplexes Panther over onto the floor followed by flying out with a tope suicida to knock him into the guardrail. Scorpio and Laparka beat in the ring and try to outdo each other to no effect. So they begin to brawl, where Parka sends too cold to the corner, only for him to leap up and over a charging Laparka, followed by a hip toss and an arm drag. Scorpio then charges into the corner, only for Parka to move and go for a splash. But too cold avoids and hits a spinning heel kick which makes the parka say he got hit below the bone and roll out to the floor. <laughs> below the bone, baby. Estrada and Tito come in with them not really meshing until Santana hits a hip toss and a back body drop to send Jerry to the floor before hitting a swinging rope kick. We're back to Pegasus and Blue Panther in the ring. With Panther hitting a clothesline, goes for a suplex, only for Benoit to reverse into a snap suplex, but then misses an elbow drop only to come right back with a sunset flip, which Blue Panther stays up and punches down. You love to see it. Estrada with a kick to the gut. Looks to work with Laparka to work over Pegasus, but Parka doesn't do the double team and instead delivers a spinning heel kick. Benoit is back up and hits a bridging German. But Panther makes a save, so Pegasus hits a clothesline on him before tagging in Scorpio. Too Cold hits a splash in the corner. Tries for a second one, only for Blue Panther to move and then not know what to do. So Laparka comes in to hit a drop kick and a suplex for a two count. Love, love that shotgun. Shotgun drop kick, man. One of my favorite moves. Put the feet forward, land on your back. It's uh, safer and arguably looks better and more powerful. Scorpio recovers with an arm wrench, thrust kick, and a power bomb with Estrada running in to break up a pin that doesn't happen until Tito makes his way into the ring. Jerry then kicks Parka a few times for good measure, so he responds to that by tripping up Estrada. The two guys are just arguing again on the apron, so Panther enters the ring to just tussle their way to the corner, allowing Benoit to come in for a body slam and head up top for a diving headbutt, <gasps> only to miss. Blue Panther's not there, buddy. Blue Panther goes for a body slam, but Pegasus cradles him up for a near fall. Too Cold comes in to hit a body slam and goes up top for a moonsault, which Panther avoids as well, which brings Parker and Estrada in to fight over who should make the cover on Scorpio in the midst of making multiple pen attempts. I know LA has a, La Parka has a crazy roll-up that's just like, oh, that's an interesting pinning attempt. 
They start throwing fists at each other, so Blue Panther comes back into the ring and starts running the ropes. So Too Cold goes for a leapfrog, only for Panther to stop in his tracks and nail Scorpio. Benoit comes in to hit a clothesline to send both of them over the ropes to the floor. So in comes Estrada and Tito. Santana hits a clothesline to send Jerry to the floor, falling out only to be held by Estrada, allowing Parker to fly through the ropes with a tope suicida. But Tito moves in time, sending Jerry into the guardrail. Yeah, they all, uh, they all catch him. Estrada and Parker begin to brawl with each other until Santana comes over to remind them that Scorpio is coming off the top rope with a crossbody. Panther with a power slam on Pegasus in the ring and heads up top, only to miss the moonsault. So Benoit comes back with a body slam and a second rope leg drop for a two count. Blue Panther then hits a power bomb, goes for the cover, only for Too Cold to break it up. Panther tries for another power bomb, which Pegasus counters into a hurricanrana for the pin and the win. To zero reaction from the crowd. They're not a fan of these gringos. Ouch. Post-match, Estrada and Laparca look to fight some more when Blue Panther tries to break it up. He's finally just like, screw these two guys. Yeah, he can't talk sense into them. Just leaving them to brawl momentarily until Estrada bells. This is the last time we will ever see Tito Santana. Oh, this is the for real the last time? Okay, well, goodbye, Tito. You were very fun here. He did that one weird spot through the ropes that he kind of botched, but, you know, God bless him for trying. He's just not not that kind of guy. My favorite part was when he reminded the guys, oh, hey, he's oh, coming yeah. off the top rope. Yes. <laughs> come, come, help. It's like, Tito, no, but it's like, oh, it's it was very cute, and we love him. And this is not the right place for him, but we love him. Tito. Jerry Estrada must have been... Like, well, the warrior had a lot of tassels, and he was over. Because <laughs> Jerry Estrada has that crazy jacket with so many tassels. That was also a 90s thing, too. too. For sure, yeah, tassels. But he's, Fringe and tassels. He is tasseled the hell up. And they're also, like, red and white tassels, so they, you notice them even more. So Cruz starts to shield for Clash of the Champions before throwing it to something, but the video clips... Um, what was shown at that point was a Starcade ad saying that Hogan would be there. Mm. Yeah, because what would a show be without somebody not mentioning Hulk Hogan? Also, I mean, if we're going to go to Starcade and Hogan's not there, what the fuck? What the fuck are you even paying him for? It's fucking Starcade. I mean, we know Best Flair's Star-Cade not going to be there. That's true. Flair's dead. He's retired. That's true. But, you know, we just brought Hogan over here for all this money. And he didn't even show up on the second pay-per-view. I mean, if he takes every other one off, then Starcade's the one he's off. He's got creative control and stuff. I'm not saying I want to see him. I'm just saying, man, earn your money. We're talking, we're talking Mexican wrestling. Let's I know, not, I'm let's sorry. Not bring Hogan I'm sorry. This. You said Hogan, we got pumped up. Did we? Brother. <laughs> not in a good way, necessarily. Pumped up's not always good. Okay. So we go to our fourth match. La Perea del Terror of Love Machine, Art Bar, and Eddie Guerrero with Madonna's boyfriend versus Octagon and El Hijo del Santo with Blue Panther in a two out of three falls match in a Lucha de Epuestres match. So Lucha de Epuestres means match with a wager, usually being hair versus mask, as this match was. Checks out. I love that 
Eddie and Love Machine come out in like American flag gear. Of course, with honeys. Everybody's coming out with honeys. El Hijo is the son of El Santo. One of the most famous luchadors of all time. Exactly. You know the mask. You've seen the mask. He's one of the greatest legends in Mexican sports, having become a folk hero and a symbol for justice through his appearances in films, comic books. He was even immortalized in the film Coco Hmm. and was inducted into the Professional Wrestling, Wrestling Observer Newsletter and WWE Hall of Fames, never having appeared in in WWE, while El Hijo Del Santo had joined him in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. Love Machine is the brother of Jesse Barr, who we might remember as he teamed with Dory Funk back at WrestleMania's The Haas Brothers. Oh, at the original. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that wasn't uh, jumping out at me at all, who the hell Jesse Barr was. We've seen Jesse Barr a couple times, but I think that might be one of the last times we saw him. Hmm. So the story behind this match, give you a little context, Eddie and El Hijo had been teaming, just like their fathers had in the past. So Hector and Santo. Love Machine would begin to convince Guerrero that he was in the shadow of his partner, and he would finally turn on El Hijo. The Pair of Terror, which is La Priya de Terror, would start to cheat to win, while El Hijo would get back up in the form of Octagon. The two teams would feud over the AAA World Tag Team Championships, with Barr and Guerrero paying off the ref to call the match for them which led to El Hijo and Octagon putting their masks on the line versus the pair's hair. This match would have American tag rules, but to count a fall, you had to pin or submit both members of the opposing team. Which is a little bit different rules than what we've seen yeah, so yeah. far. Hmm. It's kind of like when we're like the top rope rule, where it's like back in the day, everybody knew that. So for us, it's kind of a weird leap to get over, but these Lucha rules, like Lucha fans are aware of. Yeah. So it's like not that big of a deal, but you know, we need to state them because we can't be like, oh, it's a blah, blah, blah match. And we're like, fuck, what? So Love Machine, as they're walking down in their, those beautiful American flag jumpsuits, he's shown taunting some Mexicans by acting like he's swimming. Oh, yes. Yes. He's doing... Um, no, not particularly uh, nice, but he's a heel. El Hijo and Eddie are back and forth to start, trading arm bars, backdrops, arm wrenches, and some chin locks until Santo sends Guerrero to the floor. Octagon and Barr are both tagged in, with Love Machine being taken down multiple times with arm drags and drop kicks, only for Eddie to come in with a leaping knee to Octa to send him to the floor. Guerrero keeps up the attack with an Olympic slam on El Hijo, followed by Barr picking up Santo onto his shoulders, and Eddie coming off the top rope for a doomsday hurricanrana for a pin. Eddie then goes after Octa, setting him on the top corner for a superplex, followed by Barr coming off his corner with a frog splash for the pin. So La Priya is up one to nothing. Somebody else did a frog splash, and it wasn't Eddie. Where do you think he got it from? Weird. <laughs> yeah. True. He does it in honor. He does it in honor of Art Bar. 
And we'll find out why at the end of the match. So we get a bit of a rest period. So Love Machine does this little swimming taunt again before they show the highlights of the first fall. And this time, Guerrero starts with El Hio, hitting a fallaway slam and a vertical suplex for a two count. Barr hits the ring to deliver several drop kicks to Octagon, does some jumping jacks, and then a body slam, followed by Eddie coming in with a slingshot splash. Ooh. El Hio has had enough, so he comes in to hit a back body drop on Guerrero, descending to the floor, followed by an Octagon clothesline and a Santo Centon onto Love Machine. Eddie's back in, but is taken down by a tilt-a-whirl head scissors by El Hio. And the Technicos try to send the pair into each other, but Barr reverses only for El Hio to duck a Guerrero clothesline, so Love Machine takes the blow. The Technicos then hit stereo drop kicks to send the pair to the floor, followed by stereo tope suicidas to knock them into the guardrail. Back in the ring, El Hio with a sunset flip on Eddie for a two count. Guerrero leaps up onto the shoulders of Santo for a victory roll, only to be dropped to the mat face first. El Hio is then headed up the ropes, but Eddie is there to nail him from behind and heads up himself to hit a Frankensteiner for the pin. So all the pair have to do is pin or submit Octagon, and the match is over. All while El Hio can only look on. Because like once he's been pinned, he cannot... Interact it's like on a video match. game where you're playing and yeah, it's like, your character oh, beat dies the boss, beat the boss, you have come to back wait. In. Yeah. All he can do is just watch <laughs> on. If he interacts at all, his team DQ, loses. Yeah. Arcta comes back into the ring and the pair hit him with a double team clothesline. Go for a double back body drop, only for Octagon to face plant both of them. Octa goes to run the ropes, only for Bar to backdrop him and start to dance. All white octagon lands on Guerrero's shoulders to hit him with a hurricanrana for the pin. That's the coolest move ever. <laughs> Love Machine turns to hit a clothesline, but Octa ducks and hits a Russian leg sweep before locking on an octopus hold for the submission. So the match is tied up at one fall apiece. Quick little comeback. Another rest period to prepare for the third fall. We start again with Eddie and El Hio, with Guerrero going for a powerbomb quickly, only to be countered into a hurricanrana for the pin, and no, Bar breaks it up. Eddie then applies a camel clutch, only for Octagon to come in and break it up, followed by El Hio doing the same with Love Machine breaking it up. Bar goes for a body slam, but El Hio counters into a small package, with Guerrero there to stop the count by stomping on Santo's head. Love Machine locks on a modified STF, only for Octagon to break it up with a punt to the ribs of Bar, followed by several more kicks. The Technicos hit a double elbow on Love Machine. El Hio with a vertical suplex, but another broken up pin attempt. Octagon comes in with kicks and headbutts, grabs a hold, but is broken up by Eddie, who then grabs Octa for a gory stretch, which El Hio stops. Santo is body slammed by Guerrero, heads up top, only for El Hio to crawl under him for a super electric chair drop, with Barr breaking up that pin, before sending the Technicos to the floor with punches and drop kicks. The pair then fly out of the ring with to- stereo tope suicidas, but Eddie's foot catches the rope, so he falls on his head. 
Guerrero and El Hijo head back into the ring where Eddie goes for a superplex, but he's blocked in front suplex down to the mat, followed by a top rope face plant. Oof. El Hijo back body drops Guerrero over to the apron, kicks him to the floor before leaping over the ropes with a sunset flip. Octagon and Love Machine are going at it in the ring where Octa hits a drop kick, goes for another, only for Barr to avoid, all while the ref is checking on the guys on the floor. No, no. Love Machine then hits a leaping tombstone pile driver, which is an illegal move in AAA, as it had just paralyzed a guy a few weeks before this show. Story, story. This match is so full of story. Art Barr makes the cover for the pin. The pair hit a combo clothesline into a German suplex for a near fall as Blue Panther rolls Octagon out of the ring. They continue with a superplex frog splash combo for the pin. And no, no, El Hio kicks out. Octagon's being worked on by medical professionals on the outside while Guerrero holds El Hio with Barr charging in with a clothesline only for Santo to duck, causing Eddie to take the blow and fall out of the ring. El Hijo hits a dropkick on Love Machine and heads up top for a plancha out onto Guerrero. The ref is checking on them when Blue Panther rolls into the ring to hit a pile driver on Barr. El Hijo crawls back into the ring and makes the cover for the pin. So it's Eddie versus El Hijo to determine the winner. Bum, bum, bum. Santo with a roll up for a two count. Eddie with a sit out power bomb for a near fall. My God. Continues with a belly to belly suplex for a two count and a top rope Frankensteiner for a near fall. Oh my good God. It's hot as hell in here. Guerrero hits a bridging dragon suplex he calls for a two for the count. Finish. Goes for another, only for El Hio to counter into a roll up for the pin and, and the win. Shit's wild. Post-match, Octagon is stretchered out to the ambulance. And back in the ring, El Hio is celebrating while the pair begin to cut each other's hair with tears in their eyes. It's like, it's so, the match was so hot. It's like, where do we go from here? Well, we did everything. We told a story. And like, it was kind of weird to get into the pinning thing. But as the match went on, you got more used to it. And by the end of it, even as uh, because of the commentary, I understood where we were going, and I got it, and it was just like, holy shit, and it just made me want to watch it again. So some notes about this match and these guys. Dave Meltzer would rate this match five stars. Art Barr would be named Best Heel, and El Perio Del Terror was named Best Tag Team of 1994. I mean, this match is so crazy. It's so fucking good. But this would be the only time we will ever see Art Barr, as he would die 17 days later. Jesus Christ. With most assuming from drug abuse. And that's Love Machine. Yes. So that's the part that was throwing me off. I kept hearing you say the name Art Barr, and I remembered hearing you say the name Jesse Barr at the start. I had to scroll back a second ago. I'm like, where is this Art name from? But yeah, you'd said it was Jesse's brother was Love Machine, but I hadn't actually heard the name yet. Triple A, instead of vacating the tag team championships, would actually just retire them. Really? Yeah. Wow. 
in honor of Barr and Eddie. So did that mean they just came back later on with a, a new tournament and a new design for the belt? A new different belt yeah, that's yeah. called something else. They're like, okay, well, we reached the pinnacle. Yeah. Because holy shit, guys. Wow. Holy shit, guys. But literally both of these guys were being talked to about coming to other promotions. Like... Yeah, they were hot. They were they were obviously they were the big hot. free agents at yeah, the time, yeah. basically. And we'll we'll see Eddie show up pretty soon in, in someplace else doing a frog splash in honor of his friend. Love machine art bot. Yeah. So Cruz recaps the evening before Tanay and Arturo Rivera speak to the crowd in the ring as the cage begins to lower with Pyro. We also see Guerrero's head being shaved in the back. I love the way these guys are just like, totally like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it to you. And they're like, yeah. They're like, they're selling the haircutting. So we're headed to our fifth match. Conan versus Pero Aguayo in a steel cage match. Former tag partners, correct? Yes. Pero Aguayo is a Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer. And we haven't seen Conan since Starcade 90, episode 51. Damn. After that, yeah. yeah like he totally showed, for how he was on that he one. He showed up for that international tag team tournament thing that what they was had on Starcade. Sh- oh, okay. Starcade 90. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the story behind this match was that Conan and Pero had taken the mask and hair respectfully from each other over the course of the last couple years yeah pero hairless conan lost his mask kind of funny considering uh conan we all know to be a bald man but they had started to team up to be a tag team but conan would turn on pero in a match versus bar and guerrero siding with the pair and their stable los gringos locos so So, you know he's the bad guy exactly so to keep the gringos from interfering Pero requested this match to be in a cage. Understandable. This is why we want cage matches. God damn it. Exactly. <laughs> make it make sense. And to kind of give you the idea of how big these two guys were in AAA. Think Hogan versus Andre, but if Hulk had been the one to turn heel. So, so that, like, I mean, how good does that sound? That's why these people are losing it this whole show. That's why this cage match is so good the energy is palpable that's why there's the pyro when this cage lowers looks so much better than one other cages lower just because you feel the vibe so we see conan come out to the ring and he has a couple belts with him they were the iwc world heavyweight championship and the uwa double power cup but neither one of those are on the line it's just a straight up match yeah he's just for, he's just flexing because he's yeah. got it if you don't come if you have a belt and don't come to the ring with it is it even a belt and the only way to win this match was to climb over the top and to the floor. First to the floor. So Conan starts using his power early on with a gorilla press slam, only for Aguayo to come back with a clothesline and a drop kick. Pero starts pounding away when he goes for a cover, and the ref on the outside actually makes a count, but only for two. Aguayo's choking Conan with his boot on his way up the cage, but Conan brings him down with an electric chair drop and falls up with a hot shot right into the cage wall, busting Pero open. I mean, come on. 
Cage, blood, we need it. <laughs> so what I'm going to start singing in, in, every time I watch a cage match is uh, instead of, uh, if you want blood, we've got it. It's like, <laughs> uh, we want blood, god damn it. We want blood, god damn it. Conan with chops, sending Aguayo into the cage some more and using it as a cheese grater. Spot, we need that spot. Clothesline from Conan and starts climbing. But Aguayo now delivers an electric chair drop to bring him back to the mat. Peril with a really bad looking drop kick and a spine buster makes a cover, but it still doesn't matter before delivering a double stomp. That's his signature move. Aguayo's climbing with a Conan right behind where they slug it out, knocking Conan down and follows up with a clothesline and another double stomp. Tanay starts talking the history of these two along with Sion Sipkaris. And those three kind of kick-started the AAA promotion. They broke away from CMLL and started this. They're kind of like the like three musketeers of AAA. Yeah. And uh, Conan, like, we have the long history of El Santo Sr., not El Hio del Santo. Yeah. El Hio means the son of. Um, being a film and, like, soap opera star, Conan was also a guy that would show up on soap operas and stuff, and people yeah. would just stop everything they were doing and just to see him on the TV because he was that big of a star and now he's equally and probably double that kind of hateable heel because, you know, Absolutely. because he turned heel at the right time. More pin attempts by Pero with the ref counting before Aguayo hits a running senton. Goes for a power bomb, but he falls over. So he goes back to stomping away on Conan. Pero comes off the second rope with a double axe handle, another double stomp, and then begins to climb the cage, only for Conan to leap up to hit a low blow. Boo! Everybody boos! To knock Aguayo down to the mat. What if Conan was the inspiration for Hollywood Hogan? Wow. We get an inset shot of Guerrero with his cleanly shaven head and Madonna's boyfriend watching a monitor in the back. While Peril pulls Conan off the cage to drop him to the mat. Fucking wild slam. Eddie and the boyfriends start to leave the locker room area. Wonder where they're headed. I mean, you know, maybe uh, to the merch table. Probably not. (laughs) Aguayo slams Conan's head into the cage multiple times, followed by a second rope double stomp. He then begins to climb the cage, but Conan grabs his boot to slow him down slamming his head into the cage before dragging Pero down, only to receive a back elbow to knock Conan to the mat. Aguayo continues with another senton as we see Guerrero and Madonna's boyfriend running through the curtains to head towards the ring with a glass of something in their hands. Eddie throws the substance into Pero's eyes, which causes him to fall off the cage. It was probably like a Mexican Coke, like, you know, full sugar Coke. Followed by throwing some brass knuckles to Conan. Oh my god. Conan starts pounding away on Aguayo before hitting the Niagara driver, which is basically a razor's edge into a sit-out powerbomb. Hey, Remember, was this around the time of the McDonald's hot coffee? Did they throw a hot coffee in his eyes? <laughs> their little American dig? It's such a good move, and like Paraguero is a like Dusty Rhodes mess. Just bloody. Conan continues to use the knuckles until he tosses him out to his compadres. Guerrero and the boyfriend try to get into the cage. Fans are wild, by the way. Through the door. <sighs> but the ref is able to hold them off. 
release German by Conan, and he starts to climb. But Perro is back to his feet, so Conan drops down to deliver some more punishment with several drop kicks. They're gonna need a fucking. They're gonna need to mop up the blood. I guess there's not a match after this, but my god, he is just a stuck pig here. It's crazy. <laughs> I also love that when they throw the brass knuckles in over the ring, Conan like hides them in his knee pad for a minute, while like until the ref can't see, and then he pulls them out, which is a very nice touch. Why it's a no DQ match? Yeah, it but it's just but it's still a fo. I don't know. It felt good. I liked it. I was into it. Aguayo starts firing back with right hands and stomps, so Eddie tosses the knucks back in, allowing Conan to get back on the offense with loaded blows. Conan with a clothesline tosses the knucks back out and starts to climb, with Perro taking chase. All of a sudden, music hits, and it's Los Hermanos Dinamita, which was Cien Caras, Mascara Año Dos Mil, and Universo Dos Mil. So is Mascara Anos Dos Mil the same as Mil Mascaros? No. Okay. Mil Mascaros is, uh, is like, I believe, pre-El Santo um, okay, star, Mexican star. Yeah, see, when you were talking about El Santo, that's all I was thinking of was, was Mil, Mil Mascaros. Mascaros. Yeah. yeah, yeah. El Santo's, I think, I believe is after him, but on that level of star. Okay. They're running to the ring to chase off Eddie and Madonna's boyfriend. Guerrero starts fighting with an audience member while Conan has made it to the top of the cage. But Karis climbs to punch Conan back into the ring. Eddie's legitimately <laughs> fighting with like this. Yeah. You know when you hear people talk, be like, "Oh, the crowds were crazy, and you would need like protection." And we like when people always make fun of like uh, Jim Cornette for being like, "Oh, the crowds were crazy." It's like, yeah, he might be a little bit paranoid into the '90s and stuff, but this is like proof of, oh, if you were working in the '70s when wrestling was like hotter. And kayfabe wasn't quite as broken, and cable was not as much of a thing. Like this is proof of of that being real, a real thing. Is that part that stood out to me? I remember seeing it and trying to figure out: is that is that an audience or is that a plant? Did, yeah, did did somebody? No, that was real as hell. That was real. That was real as hell. You at first, that's what I thought too, and I was like, oh no, this is obviously real because Eddie is very upset. Yeah. Aguayo slams Conan's head several times into the cage, hits a fallaway slam, and then starts to make the climb to the top rope to hit another double stomp. Well, we got the double stomp off the bottom rope. We paired it out time-wise. He got another, another senton and a double stomp off the second rope. He gets hit with the brass knuckles, finally hits the double stomp off of the top rope. We doled it out correctly. It's beautiful. Perro then climbs the cage making it over and down to the floor to become the winner. Viva Mexico! Go, Andre. Post-match, Aguayo is celebrating when he is handed a suitcase and starts to weakly nail the Los Gringos Locos across the back with it, (laughs) which they know sell, as they should. Conan then jumps over into the crowd and starts going after an audience member with Perro playing Peacekeeper. Real heat, baby. People are throwing shit. It is wild. Is it the same audience member that Eddie was? That swinging? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it was the same one, but it was somebody that felt the same way. Officials like smother the gringos and like are taking them back down the aisle trying to protect them from against any, kind any of more, against their will. Like they don't more audience yeah. fights. With Aguayo getting back into the ring to celebrate, Octagoncito then comes out to celebrate with Perro. 
It's a beautiful moment where everybody's so into it. The people that are mad at the people they should be mad at are so mad. There's lots of blood in a cage. Thank you. And if you're a fan and you hit a wrestler, you will get hit. This shit is real. This shit's fucking real. No matter what the out, if the outcome is predetermined, the, you can't call this shit fake. You just can't. When everybody believes it, it's and you and you have that kind of blood and that kind of work, it's fucking wrestling, baby. <laughs> and I love to see it. I fucking love to see it. Cruz and Tanay recap the evening before saying their goodbyes, and the credits roll. So I ask you, gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of AAA when worlds collide? Those last two matches are legitimately perfect. Yes. Any mistakes you could find are are thrown out of the window with the intensity of the workers, the intensity of the storylines and the fact that the people that paid for the ticket, whether or not they think it's real, while it's happening, they treat it as if it's real and they're invested. And it's so wonderfully refreshing to see. And like the energy is palpable. The violence is palpable. And the wins and losses legitimately pull something out of you even though like we are not super well aware of this product it's the only triple a match matches we've watched and and it might and, be the only one we watch for quite some time yeah and like these these last two matches legitimately i am like on the legitimately on the edge of my seat with my pencil in my hand like staring at the screen tr- just into it my yeah. god my god and thank you mike today you beautiful son of a bitch. What, a, what great commentary on this show. Have you heard much Tanae commentary before? No. Okay. That's why I blew my, blew he, my mind. He, he literally texted me and was like, where did this Tanae guy come from? <laughs> and so I had to like explain to him. I was like, he is a WCW guy through and through. I know the name. Till the day they close the doors and then he becomes Impact's main guy. Yeah, yeah like I was so very familiar. we're going to hear him for yeah. the next 20, 15 years or so. Yeah. I was so very familiar with the name, but this was such a beautiful bout of commentary where like it was he was so now i really want to hear it so serious <laughs> he was so serious and he gave you all the information you needed in such a understandable way and treated it like a sport it was kind of like i mean he's his voice wise he kind of sounds like a young tony Schiavone, but uh there's no really color guy here in the same way that we're used to in a like WCW, WWF. I mean, I think Cruz was more the play-by-play guy, and Tanay was was adding the, the color. Color, but it's not the color as in like Bobby Heenan. It was yeah. more of like this the is history, the inf- yeah, the, the information, and you understanding, to know. helping you understand what's happening. Yeah, what he kind of did was somewhere between like uh, Gordon Soley and like what Kevin Kelly's been doing in uh, New Japan, where it's just like you're giving me all the stuff I need to know, and you're calling it like a sport and it's beautiful it's really good Shane what were your thoughts well as I've mentioned I struggled with not being able to hear anything that was happening so it made it harder to stay on the show without being distracted but I, think I did that... watch I mean the the last two like you said you know I need to go back and watch the the fourth match again 
with one that has sound. If I have to watch that one on my phone, I'll watch it on my phone as much as I hate watching it, stuff on my it's phone. Wor- it's worth it. it. Throw in the earbuds because, like, those – I don't – I think that without commentary, this would be a much more difficult watch. Mm-hmm. But, like, the commentary is some of the best I think we've ever got. Yeah. As not, far as, like – Watching it and not knowing – what any backstory is with anything that's happening and just actually seeing wrestling on TV is very difficult to do because in some of these you don't know who the hell anybody is. But the last two, you know, I, I watched the the cage match again earlier today just so I could have a refresher because it had been a couple weeks. And yeah, I mean that one, even watching it a second time, it still held up. So I need to uh, go back and get the full I would put it up there all with, around experience with yeah. the. Uh, the pair and I can't remember who that was that they went against. Uh, LDO and Octagon. Yes. Yeah, I would say that the as far as the cage matches we've seen, this one is fucking up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like so good, and I don't know anything about these guys. Like I know Conan a little bit from his '90s work in the United States, but like he's not the same star. This is no. the biggest he's ever been. Is right here. Absolutely. Might not be his biggest payday, but it's like him playing to his audience uh, at the height of like his career for his hottest audience. So I felt it was it was fun to see a lot of the guys that I grew up watching in other promotions. Conan, Mysterio, Psychosis. Yeah, Eddie, a lot of those I'd yeah. never yeah. seen until they made their way into WCW. They were doing their full-on Lucha Libre thing, so that was really cool. This show is worth watching for that alone, but then you give us... That semi-main event and that main event—it's on, baby. I, I'm gonna—we didn't say it while ago, but the semi-main event is definitely on the short list. Oh, yeah. I would even argue that the last match. Oh yeah, and the last one's a contender for sure. I'm definitely okay putting the cage match on the short list as well. I think this. I think cage, it is really good as well. We've recently watched uh, the the Hearts, Brett mm-hmm. and Owens cage match. Incredible. Probably the best they could have done. And we have done. it on the short list. So Probably the best they could have done. And I think this is better than that one. I think that this is a better cage match. Yeah. I think that that's the best cage match we're going to get in WWF at that time period for what they're doing. But I think that as far as a more traditional wrestling cage match goes, and the like fervor and like intensity, this is just as or i mean it's more intense it's just that we know more about brett and we know more about owen we've watched more of that feud but like this is just as intense without even seeing that which is impressive to pull off it's like we're just dropping in and being like my god and the the double stomps off the first rope off Off the second rope off the third rope everybody knows because he first does it just standing yeah. So he does like it four times, and it's all doled out perfectly throughout the it's match. Level. Like they're all timed out, leveling up. Yeah, and it's and it's like when he hits that last one, like I even knew that he won at that point because you can tell a story, and Absolutely. you should be always trying to tell a story because if you're not, then like you're then you're you're green as a pepper tree, then like or you're working a working a, you're just working a match you're just doing a house show but like you should always be pushing your feud and this was an incredible like accumulation of a feud and one of the better accumulations of a feud i think i've maybe uh 
seen since we started the show and i haven't even seen i didn't even see them as a tag team you know what i mean like yeah. it's crazy good Where, where's the smart marks at all right fuck you i think it's time we smark it up smart so, smart 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 so what are some of the best moments of this show the entire fourth match <laughs> yeah like is it just the way so like when they when I first read that the like two out of three falls match, I was like, okay, well, we've we've seen those before. Okay, cool, that whatever. But then to find out that also you had to pin yeah. both people, pin yeah, entire like team. when I first saw that read it, I was just like, oh my god, no, oh, it's this, too much. Like this is way too much. But the way it's actually laid out, like it basically creates within each fall a comeback situation. Which amped up the tension in the match. And it's like the ultimate thing where it's like, oh, like Octagon put in the work, got put out. And when he got put out, it became a stretcher job. So then you get even more sympathy on the baby face. And he comes in there and pulls it off yeah. with the last, at the last second where he just like pulled it out because he had to. Because he had no other choice. He was just like in fight or flight mode. And when he pulls it out, it's so like joyous absolutely it's crazy yep i mean just seeing young conan because the only conan that i had really experienced as a wrestler was the wcw conan and he doesn't look quite this good no he does not no, he, he's not he wrestling with some, this quite for, with this fervor yeah he'd had some some good moments in wcw but it was mostly watered down and overshadowed by everything else that was happening in the end he was k-dog and, we saw conan yeah yeah, seeing him here in this match, and the, he looked the like heat, a star. The heat that he gets. He looked like a fucking superhero. You have to be, you have to have been that big of a star to get that big a heat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, and and he's got it in spades. And he looks so much better than the babyface, which is what should be. Heels should look better than babyfaces. Mm -hmm. They should be bigger and leaner and meaner, and they are you know doing chicken shit shittier stuff so like they're 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 cheating so you should hate them more and them cheating and being a better like better looking physically is just it's like ah, heels and faces bring have them already, back bring back heels and faces have we already had max moon we'd have we once. had one match okay. but it wasn't conan yeah. no Conan was supposed to be him, okay. but they gave it to, he left because he was like, I can make more okay. money in Mexico. Yeah, that's what I was trying to remember was, had he already attempted or you know, been offered that or yes. did he leave Triple A and saw that get offered that costume. dumbass costume? Yeah, and was yeah. like, like, if he oh, got offered yeah. that dumbass costume looking like that, fuck you, anybody who thinks that they need to stuff him in that dumbass costume. Also, kind of exciting that... The only singles match we got was the last match. Yeah. yeah. It's like we'd all and led up to this thing, and the tag matches were all good, and the last one was uh, <laughs> absolutely incredible and full of meaning. Yeah. And then the cage match is the first time you see two people. It's even... two people in a cage, and it has even more emotional resonance because of all the things that Tanae lets us in on. These guys were tag partners. Conan is a piece of shit. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And Pero is the one that's bleeding. The face is the one that's bleeding. 
audience gets so involved that you know one somebody goes after Eddie. This is the first show we've seen probably with legitimate violence from the crowd, like legitimate violence from the crowd. Yeah. Not just somebody handing off a chair at an ECW show. <laughs> Any more good moments, best moments that you want to talk about? I mean, this whole show really does, like, each match just gets better, and there's only five matches. Hmm. It's like pre-NXT. Yeah, it's like there's only five matches, and none of them stink, and they only become become and feel more important as they go on. Yeah, and then the last two were just like, either one of those could have been the last match, and it would have been a great show. Could have been a four-match show. And you discovered a love for Mike today that you had yeah. no clue that you had. I, yeah, seriously. Like, I was aware of the name, but I was like, why? I know the name, but his commentary was incredible. How about most disappointing? My internet connections and sound system. Yeah, so not nothing to do with the show. <laughs> no, the, nothing to the do with the show The video itself, the sound on it that we watched, we, we found it on YouTube, so you can go out there and watch it. But yeah, I had to well. crank my, my, my speakers all the yeah, way Yeah, we did have to crank the volume up quite a bit, and Shane didn't get his. No, I didn't crank mine as, as to the high, max because yeah. I, I had to go to the max something. to hear it. Yeah. Unpopular opinion, but the midget match... Like, they literally just kept doing the same three moves just over and over again. So I felt like it kind of outstayed its welcome. Yeah, it did. like in it's a great way to start it, but in hindsight, I agree. But like when you turn the show on and you're like, okay, that was cool, and then you only have a couple. I mean, more it doesn't it doesn't help that I'm literally having to write down one million what, what they're what they're doing, and it's just like they're doing an arm drag. Oh, they're doing another, another arm, arm drag. drag. Yeah, they're doing another. Tell the world how the heads. Oh, tell the world how. Okay. I mean, those those like, arm drags and head scissors look crazy. The moves looked really good. That that's why I'm like, I hate saying this, but I think it's just because of my experience of having to write things down. And I stuff. mean, when I, if I was, was just watching it, I probably would have been like, okay, cool. Fine. When I was taking notes, I like started and I was like, and I wrote in parentheses, which are notes to myself for things that I noticed that were not pertinent to the match. I wrote, thanks, Matt. Because I was like, I just had to bow out. I was like, I cannot fucking write all this stuff down. <laughs> I cannot keep up. And the third match, the Laparca Estrada, like, them bickering between each other. I get that they're in a storyline, and that's part of their storyline that they're dealing with. But it had nothing. It, it, it took more away from the match than it added to the match. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. It seems more like the prelude to a match that they could have had at this pay-per-view as opposed to the match at the pay-per-view, maybe. Yeah, because the guy, the three guys on the opposite side of the, on the other team, they're in a, they don't ever come and wrestle down in Mexico, so you're literally wasting Pegasus Kid, Tito Santana, and Two Cold Scorpio for your feud, for this feud that. I mean, a lot of people care about. Don't yes, get me wrong. for sure. But for us dropping in, for us dropping in, it kind of it took away from the match a little bit. So I can agree with. I'm that. going to say that when the third match ended, I was kind of like, "Oh, oh gosh!" <laughs> like, I, I like everything was fine, but I'm not. I wasn't going to be like, "Oh, I'm so glad we watched this show." I mean, three six man matches. True. Basically. So that tells you the power of those last two matches. Like, I, I was 
like, oh gosh, what did I get us into watching these? Watching no, we show? were so right in doing so. And but then those last two matches like totally took it to another level, and so I'm glad we did. But. Yeah, I think I think with commentary, those last two matches are matches that I could show a non wrestling fan, and they could enjoy. Yes. with yeah. commentary, if they can hear the commentary. And they sit down to pay attention. I, I mean, think even that they, without the commentary, they're enjoyable because I yeah. watched them and had no clue any backstory really of anything. Yeah, you know, I watched I watched it totally tenay free, um, but I mean, they still they they're still, still they're up. still compelling. But yeah. like with the uh, yeah man, uh, couldn't say enough good things about those last two matches. I'm a best performer. Are you gonna give it to Mike today? I mean, I as far as not in the ring, I will give it to him because he really did show up in such a huge way that, like, is wildly impressive, I think, to be able to make me understand the importance of the of these last two matches, which, you know, is, I feel like, you know, Shane was like, yeah, like, these were obviously good, but they he put it over the moon for me. But as far as in ring, I don't even know who to give it to conan being such a heel pero aguero being such a baby face but not one that plays to the crowd he's just fighting for his life and just to be the guy that beats the guy that fucked him over is just so good he's not asking for fucking for you to take your vitamins and pray like he's he just he just need he was wronged and he needs to win and then even Eddie being like a turncoat technically in this match and the heels at the end of the match when they have to cut each other's hair and then them being like, oh, man, just I'm cry-. like they're crying and he's like, just get it over with. Just get it over with. Cut my hair is great, especially like, yeah, it's hard to kind of pick a guy in those last two matches to be the performer. Yeah. But I don't know. Do you have a specific one in mind, either of you? I mean, I agree it's with you. It, it is it is tough to choose. I kind of want to give it to Art Bar just for the sheer fact that it's the only time we're ever going to see him. Sure. I mean. Yeah. When we yeah we, we and and I think we all went oh this guy like where where has he been yep. this entire time we we need more of him. Yeah, exactly. Like he like you know Madonna's boyfriend was a good beefy heel, but he's not he's not love machine Art Bar in the ring. No. Like. He's, like art bar. He's the, art bar could be the man out front of a heel group. Madonna's boyfriend's gonna be the the muscle in the back. Yeah, yeah. He's your like big Bubba Rogers esque yeah. guy. But uh, yeah, it's hard to pick because like Octagon as the uh, baby face that takes the beating was incredible. Santos like come up at the end like Eddie. I mean, it's just it's hard to choose. Oh, I forgot to mention the best moments that that leapfrog back body drop thing into the oh, hurricanrana. Yeah. <laughs> so fucking cool. And that was that was Octagon. Yeah, so, Octagon was really incredible. Man, here. Okay, I'm giving it to Octagon. Yeah, why not? Because <laughs> we don't know a lot about Octagon. Maybe yeah. we know the least about him. We we know he's got a midget. <laughs> How about most surprising? I'm gonna say the uh, Art Bar just because I didn't really know anything about him whatsoever and the fact that he looks that like a star man he passed shortly after this after looking like a star inspired eddie guerrero to the point of me not knowing that that was that's, eddie's that's sig- basically the only thing i knew about 
Eddie Guerrero's frog splash is that he had taken it from his partner that he had had in remembrance of him. That's all I knew about Art Bar. Yep. And now, and now having, to this day does having that move seen that move, I'm just like, because everyone, yeah, everyone does it in honor of Eddie, <clears throat> but it's just like, hey guys, Eddie does it in honor. Eddie of... did it in honor of this guy, yeah, one of his best friends who, you know, yeah, that's my that's my most surprising as I I had no clue of any of that backstory. And yeah, like not to make it like extra sad, but just like the deep love of these guys who's like passing affected them so strongly our bars passing affecting eddie so strongly eddie's passing affecting benoit's horrific passing and uh I mean, we seriously have a circle of life and death in this one show <laughs> yeah, yeah. Art, yeah, eddie yeah. And chris to like maybe one of the most upsetting things that's ever probably the most upsetting thing that's ever yeah, happened in wrestling absolutely. absolutely the most exciting i can't even put anything else above it but yeah it's just like oh wow like yeah these guys really did love each other and uh, it's, it's nice, nice to know yep. that there can be uh, love in wrestling, because <laughs> a lot of the stories that you hear are people not doing business with, with each other. Uh, you know, Sid stabbing Arn. Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. It is. This week the category is twenty questions. It's 20 Questions, the question and answer program everyone enjoys. And it's Michael's turn up to bat. Yeah, it oh is. Gosh. I know, last time I got my thing ready and I was like, oh. And I was like, oh, no, wait, it's just Shane's turn this week. So. Yeah. So, as I mentioned last week, you get start with 20 points. Each question takes a point off. Yes and no questions. Once you get, if you guess the correct one, you get that many points. It's pretty simple. Yeah. And you have the option of picking your random wrestler 1 to 22. Three. Mm. Three. Let Shane see. I will not look. Yes. I like using the opposite person to be my help, help me with my fact checking. So hit us with that first question. Are they alive in this year of our Lord 2021? Yes. Good question. I didn't think to ask that last time. That could have helped. All right. Second, probably obvious question. Um, were they ever a heavyweight champion? World yes. heavyweight champion. Did they hold the belt multiple times? Yes. Were they a champion in the in both in multiple promotions? Heavyweight champion in multiple promotions. No questions are tricky aren't they they are so i'm like well it's and they are alive so it can't be vader and it can't be macho man and it can't be like uh well, i guess vader was never a champion in both companies or was he and warrior and by multiple promotions it's like well when you say multiple promotions, I mean the ones that we cover. I'm not going to throw like a random yeah, territory in there. Yeah, so like a, a New Japan, WWF, WCW, NWA, 
And I said heavyweight, so like, so like you know, like the IC belt wouldn't count. So it's like, oh, well, Ricky Steamboat is not part of it. I feel like it just kind of almost leaves two guys, <laughs> which is fucking difficult. <laughs> it depends on if it's the right two guys, I guess. Yeah, were they one of two members of the Mega Powers? <laughs> no. <laughs> right? Are they still here on this planet and willing to take you to Space Mountain? <laughs> no. What do you mean? What do you mean? No. Maybe not willing, able. <laughs> I mean, you might be able to. But but willing and able are the same thing. Not necessarily. If you're I that mean, guy. technically, you just asked me if he's still alive and wants to have sex, so the answer is yes, but I think the answer you're trying to get is, is, is it that certain person, <laughs> no, and the answer is yeah. no. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I know. But, yeah, the way you said it. Uh, I'm being generous. So. Yeah, yeah. The pressure. I know, I don't know where to go from here. Everybody's dead. <laughs> the problem is, I don't know my uh, 90s WCW champions very well. I'm like, oh fuck. Because I don't Just remember. You've only got two years of the '90s to worry about because it's only up to '92. Yeah, very good point. I, I I have a guess now, but I don't quite know. Did they ever power slam Yokozuna on a boat? Yes. Lex Luger. Like technically, the answer to that one was no because they didn't power slam. We slept. Slept. <laughs> but I mean, come on. <laughs> hey, I had a funky blonde hair answer. You can take one. You can take one point <laughs> off of it for me not saying the right. Lex play. Luger is correct. Uh, I, it took. That was hard. Getting you. It's really fun though. That's really really fun. Thirteen points. Wow, I needed it so bad. I was like, who could it be? And I was like, I don't remember Lex having the fucking belt, but yeah, he did for a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. A spot of tea. And then he went to go bodybuild. Yes. But yeah, I you said something about Ricky Steamboat not being in there. I was like, wait a minute. He kind of was because he was NWA champion. That is true. That is true. That is a good point. But I was thinking about the... Yeah, and I was like, who's alive? And I was like... I was really who's hoping alive? that who's you alive? were going to get either Brutus or Honky Tonk Man just to see if you no. could tell the difference. They were never... They were only ICs. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying... Oh, Yeah. As a, a name, I was hoping. Oh no, that yeah, that would have been so <laughs> funny. I would have loved that. Next week, we head to Smoky Mountain Wrestling for another NWA World Heavyweight Tournament. Yeah, I mean, we like a tournament in one night. This is uh, not the best quality video yeah. we're watching, but it exists, and um, it's, it, out, it's out there. It's out there. It's one of the last times we'll get to see some NWA stuff for. A bit. For a couple years. So yeah. I thought it was... I was able to find it. So why not watch <laughs> it? Music from this week's show is War by Vince DiCola. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. And Paraguayo was our winner of the main event. So we play his music. Marcha de Zacatecas by Banda del Estado Mayor del de la Secretaria. <laughs> Defensa Nacional. Oh, so like, it's an it's a army march. Okay, okay. but it's like a Bonda version <laughs> of an army march. I guess so. because yeah, like Bonda is a type of like music. 
I knew I was going to mess that yeah, up. Yeah. It's all good. It. It's know. all good. That's why I was just hoping it was something simple like we let the dogs out. No. That's all that. I wish. I wish. <laughs> If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast app. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, recipes, ways I should say Mexican and Japanese names better. Yeah, it'll be it'd be really funny if um, you just highlight the names in the future that you're like, I'm not sure how to say this one, and then like uh, I tried and then changed. If you're tries. willing or able to go to Space Mountain. Yeah. If you're willing or able to go to Space Mountain, <laughs> so good. You can hit us up on our email at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling H I S T O X. Fun fact did you guys know that Who Let the Dogs Out is about ugly women? I can see that. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Laters.